They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. This time I'm joined by Chani Nicholas and Sonia Passi. If you're a follower of astrology, Chani's socially conscious, intersectional writing has probably changed your life and given you some semblance of sanity since 2016. In 2015, Chani married Sonia Passi, founder of the Family Violence Appellate Project. Soon after, Passy left her work as an investment banker and founded Freefrom, a nonprofit which fights to give financial independence to survivors of domestic violence. We sat down to talk about how they built their businesses together and how they sustain each other, from the stars to the ground. Welcome to Chani and Sonia. Hi. Oh my God. Hi, darling. That was such a beautiful Hi, intro. I'm teary. I'm blushing. Yeah. This is going to be the Jewish mother episode <laughs> yes. that uh, no one expected. <laughs> Jewish mother, the Hindu mother, <laughs> equally coddling. I have a, I have just so many things that I want to ask you guys, but I guess I wanted to start something I always think about. Sonia, with domestic violence, yeah. most Americans want to pretend that it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And Chani, I think that's the same about astrology. <laughs> like People just want to pretend that it's not there. And I've always wondered how you guys like defend yourself from that because I feel like people with, especially with astrology, mm. feel free to just give you their opinions about the validity of it whenever they want, <laughs> sure. like to your face. And I'm I'm curious, like with both of you, how you kind of block yourself from that level of judgmentalism, uh, like hurting you. Yeah, I don't know that I do. I think that I am often frustrated by the lack of respect for survivors and the lack of uh, concern for the fact that we have a systemic national crisis on our hands with domestic violence and intimate partner violence. Um, But I am an eternal optimist, a.k.a. a Sagittarius rising, and I have uh, Mars on my ascendant, so I will keep fighting and keep going until I beat all of you, <laughs> metaphorically. She's not kidding. And uh, that's what that's what keeps me moving forward instead of kind of sitting with the despair of what is. Mm. I think I don't. It, nothing nothing harms me when people don't believe in astrology the way that people don't believe in domestic violence right when i see people responding to her and her work or me when i'm talking about her work or domestic violence in general and I, you see the the deep reservoir of denial that that automatically kind of engulfs somebody when you say the word or when you talk about any kind of gender-based violence, really. Mm -hmm. It's extraordinary. And so I use that and I channel that kind of frustration or that pain back into the work when I can. (laughs) Um, But when someone doesn't believe in astrology, I don't really care. It doesn't it doesn't hurt me. People haven't believed in it for 2000 years. I don't care if you believe in it or not. I'm not invested in people believing in it. Do you not remember the famous L.A. Times article, David? (laughs) Channing Nicholas doesn't care if you believe in astrology. (laughs) Okay, I was thinking of another moment on another publication. But okay, yeah. um... Whipped cream and crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Epic. Some real deep cuts for the fans out there. Some real B-sides for you. Um, I'm curious because I got to witness this and I'm very fortunate, but you guys met and then you each, Chani, you had already 
Channy Nicholas was up and running and it was a thing and you were very fucking busy, <laughs> but it was not at the scale it is now. Mm-hmm. And Sonia, obviously you had been doing this work, but Free From had not mm-hmm. manifested yet. I'm just curious about from meeting to like being able to believe in mm. and 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 not just believe in, in what the other one is doing, but really be like such keep. You've both really been such big pillars for the other's mm-hmm. business, I think, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. grow. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like, about the moment for each of you when you were like, oh, she's got something. I better, like, get in on this. Not just because, like, I love her, but because, like, this yeah. is fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I read <laughs> – we met, and uh, we actually met not in an astrology context, but it came up in the first couple of days of us meeting that – she was ha- she was like leaving to go have a class with a master astrologer, mm. and it was kind of one of those moments where time stood still and the clouds parted, and like there were there were like not hearts, to be dramatic hearts surrounding her face, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> Beauty and brains <laughs> and magic. Um, so I was instantly like taken and curious by what this what this all was. Um, and then I read a couple of days later, I read her horoscopes and I was like, this is the most beautiful writing I've yeah. ever read. Yeah. And I also <laughs> knew at the time, mostly from Facebook stalking that she was not living out of her car, but living out of her car. Like all her stuff was, <laughs> no all of her stuff was in her car and she was house sitting for people. And I was like, I don't understand how you can have that much talent. And be living out of your car. No, it was a Mini Cooper, and it was extremely hot. But sorry. <laughs> that, not hot, like wasn't. literally hot. Like, it was smoking hot. Channy looked hot in it. Yeah, but it I was, was only renting that one from my Oof. friend for okay. a, couple, <laughs> a couple months. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> um, Eventually, it was a ni- 2002 Volvo. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> it still is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was the moment for me where I was like, this person is, is unlimited potential. And I see it. It's a, it's a great – thank you for framing it like that. I think it's a really important question because lust is one thing and, you know, a lot of different aspects of attraction are, you know, there and present in our daily life when we meet people. But there there is that moment when something – like what makes you take the person seriously or what's the other thing that has to come in? And I think we get really – like confused in that place where like we're always like what is love or you know like a lot of people are at like question themselves on that so much and there was a certainty with each other that I think you're talking about that is really specific and I I had never felt it before and it's (laughs) it's so us because it's really about each other's work so I went on her Facebook page she told me I was talking we were talking on you know on FaceTime one night and as we were talking, she was like, I'm really sorry. I'm just, I'm doing a fundraiser right now. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, I'm doing like a battle of the bands and like they're, they're on stage right now. And, and I'm just, I just have to like check in with them. And I was like, wait, you have like, where's this battle of the bands? And she was, she was in New York and she was like, oh, they're doing it in LA. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. Mm. And then I was like, how much are you raising? And she was like, oh, it's been a pretty good fundraiser. Can I say She's like, we've raised like $250,000. And I like (laughs) fell. I was like, you're having a conversation with me about like feminism in 1940. (laughs) And you're also raising a quarter of a million dollars right now. And then I was like, wait, what is she raising money for? And I went and there was something about she had this like the poster for the Battle of the Bands for that um, nonprofit that you mentioned, FAP. 
And there was something about it that just struck me. And what struck me was this bitch is serious. Mm-hmm. She had a seriousness and like a weight to her dedication. And she was doing that on the side while being an investment banker. Game, David. It was. So I was like, holy shit. Like not a lot of people are that committed to have like this, you know, big like corporate blah, blah, banking job. And then devote like their entire like huge amount of energy to something that she wasn't even on the board of directors at that point, or you were just leaving. I was, I was on the, I was leaving. She was, was making just... sure that they had enough money to exist and to keep doing the work, and then she was going to go on to the next thing. Well, I assume that they had taken for granted that you were there, and then once you were leaving, you were like, "Let's just see how this goes for you guys next year." <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So it was just this moment of like, wow, that's really phenomenal. And it was nothing to her. She wasn't sweating it. She wasn't stressing. She was just raising a quarter million dollars while we were chatting. Something, one of the marvels of the Chani Nicholas system is basically if you purchase one of Chani's courses or even when if you're subscribed to Chani's horoscopes, um, it's designed to be this treat for yourself. You basically... Everyone I know who buys them or buys them for other people said, like, I bought myself a Chani that I'm going to do later, right? Because you get yourself, you see it comes out while you're at work on Monday morning. You buy it for yourself because you know you're going to have this treat later when you take a bath and you want to listen to to the course, blah, blah, blah. That, to me, was key to this Mm. becoming a thing. Mm. And I feel like you kind of invented that Mm. of, like, it's not like... I don't know. I, I We talked about like big healing. Mm. It's not like this thing that you're supposed to do to make you better. It's like mm. this thing that you're doing like truly for your own enjoyment. Mm. How did you guys, I assume that was the both of you, but I'm just wondering how you guys came up with that sort of concept. We did not. Okay. We didn't. We didn't come up with like, I didn't like that's, it's not, it's, you've said that to me before. It's a very tourist take. Okay. Okay. And I love it. I love the like luxuriating with the reading. Yeah. Like moment of (laughs) self-reflection. My chart is very geared towards rituals and the, the expression and the practice of rituals. And so it was a really natural and organic thing to do was to provide other people rituals and it's a it's been a lot of my work even before the astrology. So we I just got to the point where I couldn't it was untenable to try to give readings to everybody that was asking me for readings. And I was like I should just do something online where everyone can have some of the right. stuff, but I can't get to each person individually and give them all the juice. Right. So we like started with this like really like teleclass December 2014 <laughs> sitting on the floor December 21st of a hotel room. And we'd advertise it as a teleclass, which was live. Does anybody know what a teleclass is? It's like from 1994. And then we started the class live. Yeah. And I'm like there on the computer, like making sure that it's actually working and we're still on the line. It was like a giant phone call. And it was like people couldn't dial in and it was like this major panic. That was but one of the was, most stressful days of the business. Right, it was. It was because we hadn't dealt with that kind of stress before. No. Nope. As soon as we started launching courses, I think we learned a whole different thing about stress. But I think that what <laughs> what's kind of central to both Chinese business and free from is people don't need you to save them. They don't need you to read them. They don't need you to tell you what they should do with their lives. 
people just need the tools to do that for themselves mm-hmm. and permission to do that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what moving from, I mean, besides the capacity issue, moving from readings to the courses and giving people the tools through the courses to really understand their own charts was really kind of about that. It's like, don't give an astrologer that much power. Like, mm. y- you know yourself. And also, like, the whole question about, like, do you believe in astrology? It's like, I don't care. I, I just, these are tools. Astrology is like a set of tools, and you can use them and see if they work for you. And if they don't, then move on. But I think that they work really well, or they have for me. And yeah. so I want to give people tools. I want to be really practical about it. You know, Sonia, it's just crazy because you're you not only made this big shift from the investment banking <laughs> hellscape to what you do now, but you're in this. Sonia is very young. For those of you who don't know her, she's <laughs> just a few years older than I am, and I am famously very young. <laughs> um, <laughs> Eternally, <laughs> though, at the same time, in like lived lives, we're about eight thousand. Oh yeah, apiece. we're we're very old. So. But you're in this, not only did you catapult yourself into this, like, heavy work, but you do kind of have to play this maternal role because not only do you have this staff for which you're the boss, not even that aspect, but you're bringing these women in who you're helping and you're really providing for, and you are kind of a den mother in that way. And I'm just curious, like, what that what that completing that journey was like for you from mm-hmm. investment banking where you were obviously doing this i understand but to like occupying this space for people yeah it's such a good qu- i think what you're talking about mm-hmm. is like going from being an employee 4 or 5 years ago to to having a staff at this point in my career and from going to like a finance based ecosystem to this like hyper empathy yeah. based one where you're like the head yeah, chicken. Yeah. You know, uh, leaving investment banking coincided not unintentionally with Chani and I meeting and getting married. Mm-hmm. And Chani and I meeting was the beginning of the big healing crisis of 2014, <laughs> where my life fell apart instantly and I put it back together <laughs> molecule by molecule. Yeah. Um, and I always say, like, I couldn't do this work. I would be of no value to this work had I not had that healing crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, had my life not fallen apart and I had to put it back together again. And so it really, it was also the most liberating and most joyful, you know, it has been the most liberating and most joyful five years of my life. I literally, every day, um, like, euphoric over how free I am. Mm. And getting free for myself made me understand how much we all need it. And so the whole focus of Free From's internal structure and the way that I've built it and the way that I think about my staff and their lives and their careers is like how can I create the most supportive work environment that is the complete opposite of what I had at the bank. Like having experienced Mm. big corporate, I know what I don't want to build. And I know, you know, I was talking to... Chinese director of operations the other day about the 90 day clause that people put in employment contracts where it's like we'll see how the first 90 days goes and then if we're going to keep you and I was like how is that helpful to anyone like like first of all it's at will employment so I could fire you at 60 days if I wanted that's not a problem but but putting a 90 day clause in a contract is just intimidating it was it was definitely created by men to intimidate people and how is anyone supposed to do their best work from that place and so I think it was really, 
it, it was really feeling the full extent of my freedom and my healing that has informed everything that I've done since. So we just had Charlene in here, and Charlene was talking about how she had to, in her transness and as a performer and as, like, a fucking living legend, she had to, like, go through a complete self-destruction and self-rebirth when she moved from Alabama to New York and et cetera, et cetera. And I, something that we've talked about, you guys have basically been giving me (laughs) nonstop free (laughs) free advice through my return of Saturn, through which I'm halfway through. You know, Chani, when it started, Chani said to me, Look, you just need to be, so long as you're in therapy or you have some inner work going on and you're willing to face it, it'll only be good. Mm-hmm. But I, I understand, like, Return of Saturn or not, that kind of late 20s moment of mm-hmm. involution and then rebuilding, which mm-hmm. I have just, I'm still going through. I'm just curious about um, how the astrology helped you through that, Sonia and yeah. Chani, if you have, have have gone through that, how it how it helped you. Or, or... or when I looked at her chart and I was like, Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> this is gonna take a couple of years. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to get into specifics. I just mean in terms of you don't have to get into specifics about your life. I just mean about how the astrology helped you kind of deal and how, how you recommend people seek the astrology no yeah totally um it's a good question first of all i had my very first astrology reading a few months after we got together with chani's incredible teacher demetra george and she read my chart i was still in investment banking at this time and she read my chart and she was like you know i i get from your chart that you're good with numbers but you're really meant to do work with and on behalf of women who have been oppressed particularly around domestic issues and like the home and i was like yeah yeah i started this organization when i was in law school and i think i'm just gonna now go like go make a ton of money and just give to domestic violence organizations and she was like "Mm, that's cool uh i really you know i see in your chart that this is really it's your life's work And then I had another reading with a Vedic astrologer and they said the same thing. And these were, you know, within like a month of each other. And I started my first organization fearlessly. I was 22 at the time. I had been doing domestic violence work since I was 16, but I was also like really shamed for doing it. Um, And it was really... Uh, not something that was supported by my family at the time. And so although I did it, I had internalized the shame and I had internalized this belief that it was it was sinful work, to quote. Um, and having those readings was like an, an understanding that my chart says this is the work that I'm supposed to do was validating in a way like nothing else could be because it's like well it's not me it's my chart you know like Mm -hmm. I could I could totally separate those two out I'm not doing this because I want to do this though of course I do I'm doing it because I'm meant to do this Mm. so that was the first huge kind of a turning point for me and astrology and as far as my Saturn return is concerned (laughs) David it was a lot of despair and uh daily checking of how far my Saturn had moved, (laughs) how far Saturn had moved through Sagittarius and how long this was going to last and, you know, a a mental countdown calendar (laughs) to the end. 
Um, <gasps> and I got the same advice from Jenny that you did. And believe me, I was in a stro- I was in therapy five days a week at that yeah. point in my life. Um, but it was the you know by the end it was totally it felt like a victory. By the time my Saturn actually reached my natal Saturn, it was it felt like a victory. I guess Jenny like. To rework that for you, I, I guess I'm wondering if you've had any periods where the astrology has kind of spelled something out and you maybe didn't face it or you were just like, mm. whatever. And then mm. you looked back and you're like, oh, damn it, that really got me good. Yeah, I mean, so many times. It's really it's hard when you're in your trauma or when you're when you're depressed and when when life is really not going your way and not going your way for many years at a time. Mm-hmm. And then you look at your chart and you're like. Oh yeah, Saturn's like opposed squaring my sun and like doing all this right. stuff that feels really gnarly. And I remember like writing an ast- a really well known astrologer and being like, I don't know, I just don't know what's happening in my life. Nothing's working. And then I I looked at the astrology and was like, and you know this is happening and this is happening, and this is happening. And they were all really gnarly transits. And then I was just like, I'm not going to send this email because I, <laughs> I understand now. This is just a really fucking hard time for me. Um, and so yeah, it's it's uh. It's something that now I get to work with in a way that feels much more synergistic. Okay. Whereas in the first part of my life, I just felt like it was a curse. <laughs> Not the astrology, my personal astrology and, and the transits that I was going through. I just felt like I couldn't make anything out of it. Yeah. And it was so frustrating. And, you know, Sonia's really a young starter. Like she felt, you know, she like she's able to like catalyze her being towards something in a really clear way. And that clarity helps her to like make quantum leaps and, and leaps and bounds and huge amounts of growth. And it's really inspiring. And I'm the opposite. I came into like everything in, in my thirties. I had tons of failures. I had no money, no house as we've said, (laughs) no family. Like I really just felt like I'm fucking out here on my own. And I, at this late stage, I'm still not successful. I'm still broke and I'm still single and I really was, you know, at the edge of my of my uh, patience in a lot of ways. And I think right before we met, I just kind of like something in me chilled out a little bit. And I was like, I'm just going to enjoy what I have. And I'm just yeah. going to like be here and fuck it. You know, like this is what it is. And I'm still alive. And but yeah, I felt I feel the hard parts of my astrology were so prominent for most of my life and only now after doing all <laughs> decades of work can I be like oh cool I can use that now but it just creamed me yeah and creamed me I really didn't want to be here for a really long time and that's I write from that place you know I write from the place of like just being like like five minutes ago I didn't have all this I didn't want I didn't feel this and so how can I keep speaking to that part of us that doesn't know how to go on that has such a hard time when you're up against that wall of just disappointment and despair. What is it that we can say to that part of the self to remind ourselves that we're not alone and to remind ourselves that there's meaning here still. It's it's hard. It's, but I, I think that's where I I try to always kind of go back into those places. And I think on that point to go back to the question you asked me earlier, David, it's kind of like in the same way free from comes from this place of personal experience, which is five years ago or so 
I thought that my life was in danger. I thought I was going to die. And I was in investment banking. I had a savings account. I had a loving partner by my side. And I had started a domestic violence organization. So I like I understood what was out there for me resources wise. And still with all of that, with a law degree behind me, etc. It still took quitting my job to feel safe. It took every single cent in my bank account to heal. And uh, everything that I had, all the resources that I had, it still took me weeks to actually get to a place where I was physically safe or believed myself to be physically safe and so forth. And all I kept thinking in that moment, like ideas around free from had been forming, but all I was thinking was, what does this look like? What does fighting for your life look like when you have no savings and no job and no fallback system and maybe even no education to support you in getting a job quickly and children and you've got children right exactly and And maybe you're dealing with physical pain and long-term disability and chronic pain and everything um and that's really that knowing how hard it was for me being as privileged in that situation as I could be is was what informs everything free from does on the other, <clears throat> this is something we always talk about because you guys pretty much have been my tutors with this and I'm still really having a hard time. <clears throat> On the other side of that is that once you do the work and good things start happening and abundance comes in and maybe you make your d- dreams come true or you meet the person you're supposed to be with, that can be harder in some ways <laughs> because now everything that you had told yourself or everything that life had put in your face is now not true anymore Mm. and it's something I've really been struggling with and you guys have really been helping me I feel like anytime there's good news for me I shut down and you guys have been so understanding with that but I guess I'm just curious because you both came such a long way so quickly in terms of like your businesses this relationship your own just not ambition but your own insight and your own potential. I'm just curious, like, how did you break that abundance in? Or how do you do it? She's good with abundance. Okay. She's never had a problem with abundance. She's taught me how to be okay with it. Yeah. So she came in, like, she's, I was just thinking of, like, one of the things when we started talking about her chart, which I didn't talk about her chart with her for a long time. I didn't look at it with for a long time. She did look at it. She just didn't tell me she Obsessed. looked at it. I glanced Obsessed. at it. <laughs> So bad. Um, I glanced at it. I did not. I did not look at it. Um, But that once we started talking about it, she was just like all she she's ruled by Jupiter. So all she does is like focus on the good things. Yeah. And she was like, I have that back then I was more of a modern astrologer. And she was like, she has this formation in her chart that in modern astrology is called a kite. And she was like, I have a kite. I have a kite. I have a kite. It's like all she talked about was having a kite and like how special it was and how amazing it was. And, and I was, and even I was like, oh, that was the seed of me starting to understand how incredibly, almost obnoxiously optimistic she is yeah well i think it's it's strange for queer people too yeah and and it's rare for queer people yeah and you know and to my you know crumpled jewish self i was just like what are you talking about why are you so happy (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm not comfortable thriving. And so all of my survival strategies, which are really sound, um, are threatened by abundance. Yeah. Hers are not. So we've had, she's had to really teach me and be patient with me. Me too. (laughs) In learning it all. Because all I do is get terrified. Yeah. The growth comes and the abundance comes and the and the yes comes and I just shut down and I'm so scared and I'm so threatened. Right. And it's such a small place. It's like my ego is threatened or like my and it's a very young place. And so I have to in that moment step in and go like and my therapist is always reminding me of this. It's like you're not in this alone. You don't have to hold the success alone. You don't have to hold the failures alone. The work is not done alone. I have muses. I have energy that moves through me. It's not me. The talent isn't me. Mm. It's something that I carry and I walk with and I parent and I like allow to come through to the best of my ability. And so the success is also not me. Does not, don't take it personally is what I always have to like remind myself and if I don't and you know I'm getting older and I'm seeing people struggle with their health and stuff and it's a reminder like bitch you're gonna die like soon like enjoy it and like enjoy your wife and enjoy the the things enjoy the stuff that comes with the success so it's it's uh it's all of that together you have anything to say (laughs) she's just laughed I have nothing to add to that I will also say... She's looking knowingly. Yes, I'm ruled by Jupiter. And yes, my survival mechanism, my coping strategy my whole life was the optimism. Totally. And also, I grew up in privilege. I grew up with financial privilege. And I was surrounded by rich people. And they were rich immigrants, so there was something to that. And they were still kind of considered to be scum in England uh, because they were from India. Um, but I'm not scared of money and I'm not scared of rich people and I don't have any misconceptions about them or how they got their money. Um, and so that's like, you know, there's an internal thing working here, which is just a natural state of abundance. And then there's also like, your conditioning. I, I, I have that privilege. It's, it's very easy to be abundant from that place. It's much harder to to feel abundance when you haven't had. So I'm, you know. And I grew up in the exact opposite. I mean, I grew up privileged too. I guess I feel like being queer mm. and being creative maybe, mm. you want to take on often this identity of like, I mean, that's why, of course, you know, I went to I went to film school with people. There were girls whose fathers owned Sony who would be who would be wearing a Mont Blanc coat that they would cut up themselves so that they would look, so it would look tattered. And I have a lot of that, too, and I think, like, a lot of queer people do, no matter where they come from, this idea of, like, I can't be successful because my identity is an outsider. Mm -hmm. So for me to, like, do well or be happy or be successful is, like, giving in in some ways. Mm. And it's actually, I'm learning, which sucks. It's braver (laughs) to, like, say, oh, I actually can be happy or I can be successful Mm. rather than to, like, indulge in this, like... And I understand it's an unfair system that we're all in, but yeah. like when you, d- I'm learning when you declare to the world, like, well, I'm not going to make any money. Yeah. You're only yeah making it happen. Yeah. And it's a success is threatening to the system if you've, if you've yeah. had to believe like life is <sighs> shitty and this is the only way to do it, just yeah. to suffer. I really think of myself as like a shelter dog in that way where I'm having like, okay, we're going to pet you now. Oh my is God. It's okay? so true. Yeah. Cause it's just like, <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> Yeah, and what the success does 
is it brings out the patterns in us of stress and of anxiety and of our neurosis. And so you have to then look, all that becomes more obvious because it's not necessary anymore. There's no need to be so uptight. There's no need to be so stressed out. There's no need to be so freaked out. So why am I still that freaked out? And the la- the t- have to go underneath and get to the like base layers of why I'm terrified is a whole other thing. It's obviously a privilege when you have the money to be able right. to do that. And it's just a different part of the work. And you have to be willing to do that. Otherwise, I think I would totally just s- totally sabotage my success. Me too. And I have to watch it and I do it still. It creeps in all the time. And so I have to have people like call me on it and be like, uh, you didn't do this and that looks really bad. Or... But I feel really privileged because I'm in this. <clears throat> I feel really privileged because I'm in kind of an artistic community in New York, which is a lot of comedians, a lot, many of whom are queer and they're my age. So they're in their return of Saturn. And I am seeing not to like put a judgment or a value over this, but. The ones who have clearly like sorted some shit out and mm-hmm. taken time, you see that pop. And because mm-hmm. they're comedians, you can see it happen on stage. So you're really yeah. seeing it live. Yeah. You see like, oh, this is coming from somewhere. Yeah. You know, like, or if you think about someone like Adele, it's like, yeah. oh, we yeah. know what this music is about. Yeah. We know where this is coming you from. You can't fake depth. Yeah. You can't fake the work. You can be cute and you can be styling and you can have like yeah. good little quips, but you can't fake the work. But I also think that to your point about these creators, scarcity mindset just in in its nature puts limits on you. An abundance mindset is is a limitless mindset. And so in terms of your creativity and and how it thrives or your, you know, revenue generating ideas, whatever it is, whatever work you want to do in the world, if you're putting limits on yourself, then you're never going to see out the full capacity of that. Yeah. And that, again, is a really privileged place to be to even know that you're doing that. Right. Like when you're just in survival mode, you don't have it's it's hard to get there because you're not in that part of your brain. Or if you're just in trauma, it's like we have to get to us a little bit. If we need a little bit of space to be able to be like, oh, I could reflect on this. Right. And then have like an example of someone who does. reflect. Right. And then there's many structural oppressions in the world that make it so that even if you do do all the work. Yeah. You still won't make the money. Yeah, totally. And someone still won't give you a job opportunity. Yeah, but at least you won't be damaging yourself in the process. Like, that's why I don't, I I think of myself as having an abundance mindset, but I'm careful in the ways that I talk about it because you can start to sound like very woo-woo, high vibrations, like believe it, believe it and it will be. And that's not what this is. It's like, I'm going to. I'm going to believe it will be and then I'm going to work my ass off to get there and not wait for some high vibration to come in and save everyone. (laughs) But, and... Like, we work all the time. All the time. (laughs) All the time. We're really kind of... Might have a problem, but we really work all the time. Actually, well, that does... I do want to ask, just because of the fields, especially Chani, that you're in, how do you contend with... We've called this like big healing, but yeah. like, how do you contend with like the growing, monolith? like big pharma, big yeah, healing. big healing of like white, big woman, healing, yeah, white woman chakra, yeah, yeah, bullshit. Like, yeah. how are you contending with that, or or what are you seeing? How, like, what are you observing as opposed to what you're doing? What's out there? 
It's capitalism at work. Okay. So it's okay. It's part of it. If we're going to be in the game, we got to be in the game. You know, like I can't, that's obviously going to happen. If there's money to be made, corporations are going to come in and try to take it over. And again, I just have to stay with, you cannot copy depth. You cannot fake it. So if you want, if you, if you want to be with me, I'm going to give you what I'm actually doing myself. I am going to therapy. I am, I'm doing all these things to try to help myself be in like a good right relationship with my life and that hopefully is reflected in the work and I'm also a really rigorous student of astrology and so and all there's a million astrologers out there that are like that that are really doing the work and they're carrying forward a lineage of this tradition and it's really special and each astrologer has their own take and it's so incredible to listen to astrologers that really do spend their life doing this right. and did way before it was popular yeah. and so you know it'll come and go like astrology will fall out of favor or the big healing thing like it'll shift it'll tip it'll pop it'll do what it's but I'll still be here and that's and that's what I have to know for myself. I'm in it for the long run. I'm I'm curious because I <clears throat> one of the features of Chani's astrology that a lot of people love that I always focus on is just the vast uh, breadth of cultural references. So you mm. have history, <laughs> queer history, feminist history. We have we have like pop culture, music videos, <laughs> politics. <laughs> Ancient Greek history, like Sumerian <laughs> gods. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll sometimes bring up the latest issue of Catwoman and Chani's like, totally, I can see what's going on there. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just curious, like, what came first, the astrology or, like, the bastion of Chani knowledge? Like, what, how, how did these two start to filter into each other so well? I don't know. I just, I really, you know, like, I've done astrology since I was 12, so it's hard to, ever parse it out of anything any part of myself and I'm also an MTV baby so I was like obsessed with (laughs) with pop culture in a way that was like very much my generation in that specific kind of way like the visuals with the music was new in real time like a single would come and then you'd you'd have the video and it was just like mind blowing and then like the 80s you know it was just like all of that it was the height really of pop culture in that way And so I was just there and I didn't really have parents. So I had TV. And so I like I was just absorbing pop culture. I was just absorbing like these icons and the archetypes of them. And they, in a in a lot of ways, fed me. And then feminism came in really young, too. And I grew up in a lot of queer culture. Like I have to say, I grew up in a very, very non-traditional community. And so everyone was just a misfit. And so a lot of queers came to the small town that I'm from and like could live their life pretty much freely um, and make a living and stuff. And so I grew up around a lot of different people that just didn't fit into regular society. So I think I had a lot of different eclectic influences and like a, an outsider view. Mm. And so all like all of those like canons, you know, like feminism, I was like, yeah, what is that? <laughs> I know this. What is this thing? Yeah. It was like I was prepped really well for it. Also, Chani's life is basically like Beyonce's eight months before Coachella, just at a standing desk. <laughs> oh my god! Like there is her How her research you. is relentless. Her hours agonizing over words are relentless. So to answer your question, she's 
just works really, really hard at everything all the time. <laughs> I'm like ashamed that you said that because I'm like, there's no way I work as hard as I like. I should be doing so many more things. Uh-huh. That's how I okay. function. Yeah, uh-huh. but you're also not like a Virgo <laughs> exactly. terrorist like Beyonce, <laughs> who like, yeah, I'm not even getting into my issues with Virgos, but. Um... <laughs> I guess I'm just, just to be clear, <clears throat> not issues with Beyonce. Right. I, in this in this company I would I would never. Never. Um I guess I in terms of like I'm becoming a goddess worshipper and you've been so good at just being like, Oh yeah, she's here in your chart, she's here in your chart, like and you're so good at kind of mashing together different religions and being like, mm. She's there, she's there, she's there. Mm. How did you start in an even in an abstract way, like when did you start becoming aware of this like goddess presence? From also from a really young age, I had um, uh, also when I was ten, my dad entered his third marriage, and the his wife, his mother was a Reiki master, mm. and really and her gay husband <laughs> was really into tarot and archetypes, and so I had Reiki and tarot and those archetypes, and then that was also the time when when like the revival of goddess spirituality was really coming back Mm. into like consciousness. And a lot of those like new agey (laughs) circles were very much about a lot of like deep, rigorous academic study into ancient civilizations. And so I was also like in line for a lot of that. And so I learned a lot about the history of goddess culture and it being like the, you know, (laughs) yeah. And God's really new on the scene. Yeah. You know, like God's a recent invention and Judaism's recent. Like when you look at the human history, like all of these big um, religions that say he is really, really recent. I know. It's I'm like enough. Yeah. Yeah, It's been. And also, even if we look at like the Torah and think like they didn't in the creation story, the first thing is they it's not he. It's they created Adam in their image. They created Adam as male and female, as trans, really. And so, like, Whoa. there's this, there's this, there's these deeper, more mystical roots to all of the traditions and all of the religions. And I, I think it's fascinating to go into it because religion and what we might call now spirituality was all, it's all so, like, based in magic and earth. Yeah. If you just go back. And so I love to see, like, how did it. So it's also so combined with politics and power and all of that. Yeah. How it's used against us and how the archetypes start to morph over the indo- introduction and indoctrination of patriarchy. I wanted to ask you because I've been attracted in the performance aspect to women who have Virgo Venus. And <laughs> I'm just like, what's going on there? <laughs> Um, specifically, like, like Ruby McAllister and Catherine Cohen are these two performers where I'm like, I can just watch you all. Do- what is that? Virgo and Venus has a or Venus and Virgo has a really hard time. It's one of the signs. It's the sign antithetical to its place of exaltation. So it's it's in its fall. And so people with <laughs> Venus and Virgo have like they work extra, extra, extra hard to to do the thing so like whatever they're doing they feel like they have to work like seven times harder to do it because they're in a they're in a place that's already fallen it's like trying to get up from the ditch in a way just to get like on level and so there's this 
there's this need to perfect the thing that they're creating or they're expressing before they could like have fun and like just hang out. There's like a seriousness mm. to it. And there's also then a way in which their work needs to relate to the other fallen Venuses. So then there's, we're, you know, is. it's like a speaking to like, <laughs> you're also a bitch in a ditch. So yeah, like, no. I am with you. And I see you, and I'm not the perfect Venus either. I feel and scorched so, and liberated by yeah. them. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, where I'm like, she gets it. Yeah. Yeah, go with her. Okay, so that's what it is. Yeah. And my Venus is in, sorry, we're making this about me, but my Venus is in Aries. Aries. Also another really hard sign. Yeah. So you're like, oh, you get it. You get yeah. how hard this is. You get, you get. <laughs> yeah, but there is it's also. different, but it's And similar. Venus and Aries. It has like the dark phoenix aspect of like the fire and the power, right? It's it's a fire Venus, and so it's you know Aries wants to start and begin and do it, and like it wants new and it wants like to be get ahead and it wants to mm. win and it wants to. But how do you do that in relationship where you're supposed to like hang out and bond and like fuck and Ugh. do all that? The fucking's fine, but it's like then it's it's yeah. it consistency is hard for Aries. It's not what it's here to do, but Venus wants to bond. And so it's the breaking of the bond or the how do you do that in a way that feels like I'm still engaged. I'm still interested. Mm. I'm not trying to get on to the next thing all of a sudden, always. And this is why, well, <laughs> many other reasons why I've never been in a real relationship. But yes. Um, okay. Which um, obviously, whoever is out there that has Venus and Virgo, Venus and Aries, obviously you can have incredible love and long lasting relationships. Oh, I'm asking because I think yeah. we're like superior beings. Antithetically to what you're saying, I'm like, why am why are we the it's chosen the, ones? It's the different kind of femme. It's the I am the other femme. Yeah. I am the other woman. I am the other kind of lady. I am the other kind of yeah. femininity. I'm the part that you don't like. I'm the part that you've rejected. I'm the part. Fuck you. You Michelle know, like Franklin, I don't need you. Catwoman. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it all comes back. Catwoman. Um, okay. Well, I am. This room is. 8,000 degrees, so I'm not going to keep you guys much longer. Um, I just wanted to say thank you both so much for being here. It means oh so much God. to me. Thank you, darling. This is the first time we've done a podcast together. Aww. Bonding. Do you want to say anything? I could listen to you talk about goddesses. <laughs> I know. It's... I know. It really had nothing to do with the conversation. I was like, There's I a reason it. it's 8,000 yeah. degrees in here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... You can follow Chani at Chani Nicholas or on ChaniNicholas.com. And you can support Sonia's work at FreeFrom.org or FreeFrom.org. Not FreeFrom. Not FreeFrom. Yeah. FreeFrom. Yeah, which... It's hard. By the way, speaking of things outlasting, things like Chani outlasting goop or whatever, (laughs) FreeFrom will outlast FreeFrom. That's right. Like, come on. Well, hopefully, yes. I mean, it'll change names. Hopefully, but they'll will. solve their. No, thing. I'm really trying to fix the problem and get out of the game and on to the next thing. Seven years, of course. So probably free, free form will still be <laughs> showing reruns of Pretty Little Liars <laughs> <laughs> in eight years' time. But when is this coming out? This episode, um, uh, late May, early June. Okay, so the short film that we EP'd oh, yeah. will also probably be out about them. I don't know if you want to. Yes, add no. That. Uh, please. Go. This is completely my own um, negligence as a podcast no, 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 host. No. So, this is why they don't pay me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chani and I uh, executive produce an incredible short film made by queers, POCs, 
And it is called Five Times a Day. It tells the love story or coming together story of two queer Muslim women who meet at a club and go back to one of their houses. And it's their, it's their 24 hours of romp told <laughs> <laughs> through uh, romp and realization romp and realization through the five um, Muslim calls to prayer. And it's so beautiful, and the Bully people involved were wow. incredibly talented. And Fazi it Amir's should be coming out anytime. Writer, director, writer, Check. sorry, writer, star. Yep. And hopefully, this is the first of many cinematic first of projects. Many. First for of you many. Two, right? Yes. Yeah, we're also writing our love story right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm obsessed. And As a screenplay. As a screenplay. But. It, for the greatest rom-com <laughs> ever told. Ever told. <laughs> well, I'm just excited because whatever the release date of that movie, there are going to be eight million think pieces about, like, why it's coming out on this day, astrologically. <laughs> you bet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who's secretly funding those articles? Is it Sonia? Um, <laughs> okay, thank you so much, my darlings. Thank you, love. Thank you, darling. <laughs> 